Dispatch Podcast, a Dispatch short, short episodes. Yep. We're just mm-hmm. going to do these out during the hiatus every now and again, little little treats for you. And this one is being recorded on July 5th, obviously overshadowed by the events of July 4th. You think uh, You think Jefferson was just like, yeah. Jefferson Davis? Or no. Thomas Jefferson. Thomas Jefferson. Both of them had very different experiences on July 4th and 5th. They did. Yeah. <laughs> Jeff Davis woke up on July 4th and was like, what in the hell? What happened? What? Why? And you know he was mad because he started putting the H before the W. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Why? Why? What What do you mean defeated Robert E. Lee? Where did Vicksburg go? And then Jefferson, Thomas it's, Jefferson. Thomas Jefferson is just like, eh. I wrote that in 12 hours. That yeah. was pretty yeah. good. Diamonds are made under pressure. Motto for grad school, motto for Jefferson. It's my argument. Boom. Nailed it. <laughs> it worked. We still think about it. It still works. Yeah, you know, I think looking back at college, I was always best, like, with hours to go. Like, really? Yeah. Oh, it's if I tried to, like, plan out. something out. Oh, no. Oof. No, no. If I, like, planned it and, like, had an outline, mm-hmm. I was stressed. I would just yep. have to start typing and just be like, we're going to see where this goes. Yep. Let's hope it's on track. On a wing and a prayer. My best yep. papers were the ones I wrote at like 2 o'clock in the morning for a class at 8 a.m. Yep. yep. Oh my gosh, you guys stress me out. I'm like such the type A person. You're just a nerd. <laughs> Which, segue here, such a good nerd that she did a wonderful outline. Uh, outline. Every time she does an outline for the show, I'm just amazed and impressed. Yeah. It's, it's beautiful. You got to keep us on track. You do. I think, Which is hard. I think we're going to have to share pictures of this outline. You know. Um, oh, you know that might have to be what we do. It might be. Yeah. You had said like we should put up pictures of the actual letters. No, I think we're going to put the outline. <laughs> Let me tell you guys. just that pretty. Canva templates. Amazing. I, Amazing. Yeah. Yep. Yes. Can't help you there. I'm a Microsoft Word man. Oh, I, I love Canva. Punch it in. Love Canva. Canva's so nice. My uh, outline last week, I just email it to you. Yeah. It's a stream of conscious kind of thing. That's fine. The Faulkner style. <laughs> Whatever you guys sent me, I then put it in my own outline in my head, or I put it down because I'm like, if I don't do this, it will just be chaos. Yeah. yeah. Chaos reigns. Yeah. I do not thrive yeah. in chaos. Oh, I do. I live off of it. I work for the Battle of Franklin. Trust. It is always chaos. <laughs> Clearly, I'm fine with chaos. All right. So, what are we talking about, uh, masterful uh, outliner? I thought today maybe we would do like a little like sneak peek into the collection. So into our collection here at the Battle of Franklin Trust, we have many different things between furniture, letters, documents, books. Guns. Guns. Yeah, absolutely. Lots of guns, lots of artillery, you know, shells and stuff like that. But I thought today one of the newest things that we've just recently acquired was a letter from a soldier who was in Franklin during occupation in 1863. And it's quite Mm. a... Quite a normal letter. I'll read it a little bit later in the episode, but he's very interesting. So I thought maybe it would be kind of cool to read through his letter, but also talk about him as a soldier versus a citizen. He's just a, you know, entry level, um, entry level guy into the Ohio infantry and he enlists in 1862. So, but we'll get into it here in a second. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds fun. I mean, we never really talk about 63. Yeah. All that often. People were obsessed with talking about the first battle of Franklin. I mean, there's only really only one. The other ones <coughs> all together. That interesting, but talking about the 
fight and the people that were here and yeah like the cool stories that you think of are like optex guys the guys in the 125th ohio that show up in 1863 and then in 1864 some of them are still there mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and they're like oh i remember this place <laughs> yeah i, I also kind of like, the, like we've come back okay some of those first guys to occupy Franklin are a bunch of German immigrants yeah. as well, which mm -hmm. is a cool connection with the Lopes family. Cause it's a Pennsylvania regiment. Yeah. Um, so they're just like, they, they speak the same tongue. So yeah. Lopes family are like, oh, we know these guys. Like, Finally. Yeah. <laughs> we, <laughs> we can, can communicate. Speak. <laughs> uh, well, this, this guy's dad's actually born in Ireland. At least that's what it says on the U.S. Census. Oh, cool. Yeah. It's always the Irish. It's yeah. always the Irish, yeah. But his dad was apparently born in Ireland. But I didn't do too much digging on him. But I did go through and try and find records, like U.S. Census records on this yeah. guy. Um, so the first one I found was in 1850. I mean, what's his name? His name is... Uh, thank you. I mean, thank you. Yeah, I mean, yeah. like, let's talk about this guy. Who, who's this, this guy? This guy. We're this just guy. referring to him as this guy. These this guy. Guys. His oh, name... <laughs> Oh, you guys, you're oh, not you going to believe this gay from Ohio. Okay, go ahead. This guy's name is William E. Scott. Very hard name, let me just say, to try and find on the census. Oh, I, can't, I cannot imagine how wonderful. Have, oh, yeah. my gosh. That's as bad as John Smith. <laughs> oh, man. But once you find him, it's amazing. Yep. And this guy, this guy, I'm going to say that all episode. Yeah, you're going to sure have to are. edit this it guy. out. This guy. This man. guy. So, William can Scott. That be, can that be the... This guy. The, the, the title for the episode. This guy. The letters this guy. Of, the letters of William E. Scott. We can do that. It makes me Sweet. nervous to Perfect. be this close to the mic now. You've no, scooted me up. And you're now good. I, um, so the easiest way after finding William on the census records was because he lives in the same town, in the same county in Ohio all of his life. The only time he's ever away from it is when he's gone during the war. So he is from wow. Leesburg Township mm -hmm. in Union County, Ohio. Super easy to find yeah. once he just stays in one place. Yeah. And he essentially is a farmer all of his life. His dad was a farmer as well. Um, but he's born on January 7th, 1839, which is a day after my birthday, which is January 6th. Well, look but, at that. So William E. Scott was born on January 7th, 1839 in Leesburg Township of Union County, Ohio. Now... Let's jump forward a little bit. So in 1850, that was the next record I could mm -hmm. find for him. So in 1850, on the census, William was 11 years old, living with his parents. He had two older brothers and two older sisters. Now, let's jump forward another 10 years. In 1860, William was still living with his parents and two older sisters. So he's the youngest of five children. Hmm. His older brothers by 18, you know, 50 were already in their 20s. They were, mm -hmm. ready, to, yeah. they were ready to move out. But in 1860, he's 21 years old. And correct me if I'm wrong, but he could have voted for Lincoln. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Ohio wasn't still one of the states that had a tax on mm -hmm. polls. So I was like, he could he could have voted. He could have voted. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He's not a landowner, his father, but he could have voted. He's 21 years old. I don't know. But what if he didn't vote for Lincoln? What if he, he voted for any of the other sundry amounts not. of candidates? I know. We have the four candidates that year. Man, what a variety to choose from. So he probably voted in the 1860 election. Maybe yeah. he voted for Lincoln. Maybe. Maybe he didn't. Maybe he didn't. Well, by 1863, he's probably, if he didn't vote, he's probably like, mm, learn my lesson. Yeah. Gotta vote next time. Could have been, but... <laughs> the Electoral Regrets of a Civil War Soldier. <laughs> That's the title for the episode. Okay, <laughs> keep going. Okay, so quick timeline. So in 1860, war, you know... War kind of starts, you know, we've got secession, we've got, we've talked about this. 
last episode, you know. But in um, August of 1862, specifically on the 22nd, that's when he enlisted, 23 years old. William enlisted as a private into the U.S. volunteer, like volunteer forces. And then on September 11th, 1862, he was mustered into the 121st Ohio Infantry and Company I. And he never musters out of that, not that I can find. He's... He's in it until he... Well, it would um, be a three-year enlistment. So that would yeah, be. so he's in yeah. it until he musters out. And he actually, interestingly enough, I'm going to jump ahead, he musters out in Washington, D.C. Yeah. Because he ends his campaign, or not ends his campaign, but he goes through the Carolina campaign. Yeah. And so he ends in Bentonville. Bentonville? I think that's how yeah. you say yep. it. I should know how to say it. I'm from North Carolina. North Carolina. I should know how to say it. Um, I think it's in Johnston County, North Carolina. But as, as I watched 1776 last night, I thought of you every single time North Carolina was asked to vote. And they said, North Carolina respectfully cedes to see what South Carolina will do. We, uh, we had friends over last night, the 4th of July. Did you yeah. watch 1776, the musical? No. Like every true patriot? No, you know, what, you know what we watched? I should have watched The Patriot. No, we watched... H2O, Just Add Water. Oh, my gracious. From the 90s, the Australian Nickelodeon show about mermaids. Yeah. Yeah, it was... (sighs) I wanted to watch The Free State of Jones. They did not. Oh, yes. It's okay. I was the only one watching 1776 in a house of five. So, yeah. 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 (sighs) All right. Okay, back to it. So... A key note of William's time in the military was his station in Franklin, Tennessee, during U.S. military occupation after the fall of ooh, after the fall of Fort Donelson, and then essentially the city of Nashville falls in 1862. Early, um, but he was here. He wrote this letter in March uh, of 63. So specifically, he writes it in March 16th of 1863. Would we like to read it? Yeah, I'm actually going to ask Joey to read it. Is it because I'm the only one of the four of us, the three of us I can read? Yes, because I will be dyslexic. All right. So, here's the letter. Uh, It is dated March the 16th, 1863. Camp at Franklin, Tennessee. Dear mother and sisters, it is with pleasure that I take my pen in hand to write to you a few lines once more in answer to your kind letter of the fourth that came in safe to hand on the 15th, and we was glad to hear from you but was sorry to hear that mother's health is so poor. Well, mother, I enjoy good health at this time and hope that this will find you enjoying the same earthly blessing. Nord is quite unwell and has a bind for two weeks. He is quite weak. He has the diarrhea. I think that it is something like the chronic diarrhea. He has not went to the hospital yet, and I hope that he will be better before long. You said in your letter that you had not heard from us since Charles came home. I have wrote one letter since he went home, but I suppose that you never got it. For there is hundreds of letters that never reach their destination. I am glad to hear that Ross's cough is better. I think he had better stay where he is, for I don't think he would ever be fit for service, as it takes a well man to stand soldiering. Tell Jerry's mother that he is well and that he stands soldiering with the best of the boys. Well, Mother, we are still here in Franklin, Tennessee. How long we will stay here, I can't tell. We have moved our camp five times since we came here, and we have to move again tomorrow. We have not moved one mile in all. One more move, and we will be where we started from. I want you to write and tell me whether you got the money I sent home or not, and if you have not got it, go and get it, for it is there for you, as I never heard whether or not you got it. The folks is making garden here 
Now the peach trees is bloom and the sun shines so hot it makes me lazy. So I will bring my letter to a close for this time. Write oftener and I will answer them. Yours as ever, W.E. Scott. I just want to say, we had the most confident of the three of us read that. Yes. Imagine if I attempted to read that. (laughs) We would all... Just drive our car into oncoming traffic. As I transcribed this letter, beautiful handwriting, Mm -hmm. might I add, beautiful handwriting, but very, if you could not tell from how Joy was reading, he was reading it verbatim for how this man wrote it. Um, And there are a lot of spelling errors, but you know. Difficult vernacular to follow. Difficult. But very interestingly though, I will go ahead and add this here. He was listed on the census later in his life I saw as that. not being able to read nor write. Mm. So as I was transcribing it, when I first saw the letter, I thought, oh my gosh, this handwriting is so beautiful. And we'll mm-hmm. attach this some, some way or how this letter on our social media so that you mm-hmm. can find it. But it's absolutely gorgeous. So he has to have a friend, a friend that's writing who it. wrote it, yeah. you know, but also the friend would have then been translating what he was telling him to write. Mm-hmm. So he was also still writing in his own, verna- like his own vernacular. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Too many layers here to kind of like unfold, but that's what he's doing in Franklin. He's talking to his mom and his sisters who he does go back to live with after the war's over, after yeah. he musters out and he goes to live back in Leesburg, Ohio with his mom and two older sisters. And he's talking about a friend being sick. He's talking about just moving consistently through Franklin. He talks about moving five times. Which is the most military <laughs> thing yeah. ever. Move five times and you don't even move a mile. And no. you end up right back where right you started. Right back where you started. Exactly. It is the most, yes. Yes. And I also, I really like that we said earlier that he's the youngest of his five siblings. Mm-hmm. And yet he's sitting there calling out his older brothers mm-hmm. like, well, he better not show up because it takes somebody much stronger than he is yeah. to my be a soldier. I love was, that pettiness. Yeah. My favorite was him saying like, it takes a well man to stand soldiering. Um, and, you know, like soldiering with the best of the boys. Like mm-hmm. this is a truly, you know. It's got camaraderie. Yeah. You know? There's yeah. an esprit de corps. That but it's exists. a very bottom-up kind of view of the military. We're yeah. not looking top-down, which is how we, we yeah. always look at a military, mm-hmm. especially like studying it. So um, let's think about where he's been so far by this point. Yeah, absolutely. So he's in, he's in the defense of Cincinnati. He mm-hmm. fights at Perryville, and he's participant in the Tullahoma campaign. Fights in the Battle of Chickamauga. He's at the Siege of Chattanooga. He's at the Battle of Lookout Mountain. Missionary Ridge, the Atlanta campaign. Fights through Rosaka. Uh, he's at the Battle of Kennesaw Mountain, the Battle at Peachtree Creek, which is Hood's first day mm-hmm. on the job, mm-hmm. uh, the Siege of Atlanta. He's in the Battle of Jonesboro, which is essentially the Battle of Atlanta. Uh, Sherman's March to the Sea. He participates in the campaign. And then he's finally at the last full battle, the Battle of Bentonville, which is, as I like to call it, the who's who of Confederate generals yeah. because they all come out of the woodwork. I mean, Bragg is there. Hardy is there. Yeah. You know, all the... They got the gang back together. Yep. Uh, yep. You know, and I wonder if like... Would you would you call that their farewell concert? Yes, yeah. absolutely. Nice. Uh, but I wonder if I wonder if after the war, I wonder if um, this guy was just like, I saw enough. I'm going to go home. Yeah. Going yeah. back home to Leesburg. Yeah. Goes Honestly, home. He's he just, like, I've, he I've, just went I've home. seen it all. I'm going to go home. He just went home. Yeah. One interesting tie we'll say before we move on, his specific regiment actually follows Forrest into like 
the Alabama area, like as he starts to move yeah. after Atlanta, and but they do get pulled back to rejoin Sherman. They're like, oh nope, we need you, mm-hmm. and then that's how they get pulled, and they don't end up going to Franklin because I thought there's so many Ohio boys here at Franklin. Yeah. Like, why the heck did why 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 weren't they here? Where did this kind of you know they get pulled back because they were at Atlanta, but that was then they got pulled yeah, back. Different core. Yeah. Um. So after the war, we talked about it. We kind of led into it here. But after the war, he just goes home. He musters out in Washington, D.C. on June 8th, 1865. And then after that, he just goes home. He goes back to Leesburg. In 1870, he's listed as living with his mom and his two sisters. And he's a farmer. I almost wonder if he would have taken part in the Grand Review at the end of the war. Since he's in D.C. and he musters out Oh, you're out right. He might, yeah, he yeah, might yeah, have. Because that takes place in May. Yep. Yeah. He might have. Now, in 1880, he's still living with um, his sister, um, Narcissa, I want to say is her name. And then also his nephew. That's how he's listed on the census. But mm-hmm. he's got a weird name, um, which doesn't really apply to this. But he's living with, you know, a he's different living with his family. Living, yeah. Living, yeah. living with family, never gets married. Even when he files for his pension in 1883, there's no wife nor dependent listed mm-hmm. whatsoever. So he doesn't actually put anything on his pension other than just himself. Mm-hmm. And what regiment he was in. But in 1890, so the census burns, the U.S. census mm-hmm. burns in 1890. Yep. But we have his veteran schedule. Nice. I was so excited to find it. I was like, yes! And he's still living little, in Leesburg. Yep. <laughs> I know it. nobody could see that. <laughs> um, no surprise, he's still in Leesburg. He is. He's still in wow. Leesburg. That's the shock of a lifetime. <laughs> he's still in Leesburg. But the one thing that he actually, like, the new information that we got from mm-hmm. that record was that he has something called, like, I'm probably going to butcher this pronunciation, but asthenia. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like a wasting disease. I had to look it up because I was like, I don't know what this is. But they essentially equate it to something very similar to, you know, like it's a chronic wasting disease, very much like anemia or cancer, but it's marked by diseases of the adrenal gland. Very likely that he actually had it during the war. It was caused by something that he got during the mm-hmm. war. Um, there was actually a guy that was listed down from him on the 1890 veteran schedule that had, um, was it scurvy? Hmm. I was like, whoa, okay. <laughs> um, some limes. Yeah, I was yes. gonna say, dude just needs an orange. Yes, he just needs he just needs some just vitamin a, a C. Few citrus fruits. Just some vitamin C. But back to William. So in 1900, he and his sister are still living together in Leesburg. He's listed as a farmer, um, and he said, like you know, he can't read and write. And then on the 1910 census, just about a year before he dies. He's listed as living alone, so apparently sister has probably died. Mm-hmm. She was older than him, but he's 71 years old, and he is still listed as a farmer. He owns his own home, rent and mortgage-free, and he's just kicking it in Leesburg. He dies in Leesburg in Union County, Ohio, on February 11th, 1911, at 72 years old. He lived alone at that time. He yeah. never marries, never has children. But this is a great look at, you know, if you want to look at veteran affairs after the war, I mean, this guy is a great kind of case study. It's a little micro history. Yeah. Into what just the average soldier, you know, he was a private day day one, and then also, you know, his last day in the in the military. So if you want to learn more about just veteran affairs after the war, you can read "Sing Not War" by James Martin. James Martin. Or you can also pick up Brian Matthew Jordan's Marching Home, Union Veterans and Their Own Endings of a War. Um, both of those talk about, I mean, a guy like William Scott's probably just a great case study for both of those books. Mm-hmm. 
So, Bill, you have work to do. Got it. There we Try go. to get those by the but time this goes live. <laughs> if you're also interested in just like average soldiers, like just reading their letters and stuff like that, you can find, you know, just the average soldier stuff a lot through your public um, or your local history organization. Mm-hmm. A lot of them have them, even the town archives. Even our, even our website. Our website. Yeah, if you go to bot.org slash learn, you can find soldiers in Franklin, and we have bios on countless U.S. and Confederate soldiers. And even in some of those, we've got their letters in there, yeah. too. Yeah. yeah. And like I mentioned, we will try and post this letter, the scan of scan of his letter. Yeah, definitely. It's great. Yeah. Well, I think that was a fun little short yeah. for anybody that was having withdrawals from not being able to listen to the dispatch. I don't I don't know that, that such a condition exists, but we helped. We did. We did our good deed. <laughs> we for the helped day. scratch that itch. <laughs> it's day right there. It's a day. All right. Well, uh, anything else? No. No. No, I think we're good. I think we're good. All right. Well thanks for listening to Dispatch and uh, we'll catch you next time.